This morning's reading comes from Jacqueline Bussey from her book, A Love Without Limits. I've wondered why my mother didn't leave, and I've had a heartbreaking epiphany. Only someone who believed they deserved better could ever muster the courage to get out. And only someone who loved herself sufficiently could ever believe they deserved better. People accept only the, the amount of love they believe they deserve. My mother accepted a life of tiny love because she believed that it is exactly what she deserved and not a teaspoon more. Much like an anorexic starves herself because she wrongly believes she is fat, my mother deprived herself of better because the low way she was treated matched the worthlessness she wrongly saw in the mirror. My question assumed that my mother loved herself enough to imagine that she merited more, which of course she did not. With all my heart, I believe that God's love without limits wanted more for my mother than for her to be walked on. Contrary to what we might expect, a love without limits does not say to those who abuse, abuse other people, do anything to me that you wish and I will stay with you. Instead, it says, yo, here's the door. My self-love's too big in the, to be in the same room with you. Sometimes, especially in situations of abuse, we have to draw boundaries to protect ourselves from harm. I know I sound like a hypocrite here. All this talk about broadening love's bandwidth, stretching the canvas, erasing the circle, no asterisks, no exceptions, and now I'm talking about closing doors, walking out, saying no, and drawing lines in the sand. Yes, I am, and I must. A love without limits is not a rug or chair on which other people can stand or sit. It is a chandelier a chandelier casts equal light on everyone in the room, including yourself. My friend Helen Beth once attended a retreat on centering prayer, a prayer technique that uses a lot of rich visual, visual visualization, vivid visualization, in order to help people heal. The retreat leader asked participants to picture in their mind's eye a person who would seriously hurt them by transgressing a personal boundary, physical, emotional, psychological, sexual, anything. Can you see that person in your mind? The retreat leader asked everyone present. Good. Now picture the boundary they have crossed. Picture it as a fence. Can you see the fence? Everyone nodded from behind closed eyelids. Excellent, said the retreat leader. Now I want you to muster your strength and do something brave. Kick them out. That's right, you heard me. Kick them right on out of there. Kick them out, back, across that fence, and straight into the love of God. I love that. Kick them right out into the love of God. This week, this couple of weeks have been a difficult time for many in our congregation. Early in this week, I attended a celebration dinner that was a celebration about the repeal of the Don't Ask, Don't Tell Act. Familiar with that, right? It was supposed to be an improvement over a prohibition of inclusiveness in the military. It was um, Gays are not allowed in the military. 
and the instead of, we said instead of dishonorably discharging people, what we're going to do is if as long as you don't say anything, we won't ask anything, and everything will be fine. But we know as we are whole beings that it's not a realistic thing to do. Someone I love very dearly was one of the last people to be processed out under the do not, you know, don't ask, don't tell policy. And she returned to her old unit this last week and gave a speech to the students there. And the first thing that she said to them is, she said, I want you to know you are perfect, you are beautiful, you are loved just the way you are. And that's important to remember because there are times when we have to choose between what is easy and what is right, between love and doing what is, goes against our consciousness. We think of love as being a feeling, but love is like this reading that we just heard about. Love isn't, love is a behavior. And when love is violated, when we're asked to section ourselves off, to pretend that we are not what, who we are, when someone crosses a boundary with us, the most loving thing to do is to send them back out, kick them back over the fence into the love of God. I brought up that story because I want to say to you that you are loved, you are beautiful, you are perfect, you are enough. And when you hear people talking this week about how there's so much work to do, there's so much action that we need to take, none of us can ever do enough we will never be able to finish the work of justice, but we are enough. And I want you to hear that difference. If you are hurting this morning, if you are angry, you're not alone. You can rest here. You can breathe here. We are a congregation that is a part of a larger, wider, worldwide faith. And yesterday, when Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed to the Supreme Court, our Unitarian Universalist Association denounced this action. And I want to share this with you. The UUA denounces Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation to the Supreme Court. We believe Professor Anita Hill. We believe Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. We believe survivors of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Because we believe survivors, we cannot be silent. We cannot be silent about the profound harm in confirming Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. The Senate's decision is an affront to every survivor of sexual harassment and assault. His confirmation tells survivors that their pain and trauma do not matter. How can survivors believe in justice when sexual assault is normalized by our elected leaders? Although we are profoundly disappointed, we're not shocked. This confirmation mirrors the unapologetic, toxic masculinity of this political moment. President Trump openly mocked Dr. Ford after her testimony 
which isn't surprising to us either. In response to this confirmation and the blatant sexism and toxic masculinity it represents, we know it is time first to mourn and recharge. This process has been extremely triggering for many survivors, and we encourage survivors to listen to their spirits that may be calling for care. Those of us who are not survivors but allies, we commit to making space for your pain. We will mourn and then we will resist. We will join with the many organizations led by women, non-binary people, and people of color who believe in a world that doesn't support sexist leadership. We will partner with the faith leaders and spiritual communities who believe our collective healing from cycles of abuse and trauma can set us free. As Unitarian Universalists, we continue to advocate for sex education that normalizes consent and bodily autonomy because we believe a new way is possible and we commit to doing our part to make it so. A question that came up after this dinner of the celebrating the repeal of the don't ask, don't tell policy. The question was, can we teach moral courage can we teach bravery? I hear a lot of yes, or I see <laughs> affirmations of that. I hope so, because I think that's why we're here, because we believe that we can. We don't often think about how it feels. What is the experience of being brave? That being brave doesn't feel brave. It doesn't always feel safe. But we believe that we can do it. We believe that maybe scared is what brave feels like. And when we come together in community, we're willing to be scared. We're willing to admit that we don't know the answers. We don't know exactly what to do, but we will still act. Because one in three people in every gathering, every place that we go, including this church, one in three people have experienced some kind of sexual and gender-based violence. Sexual and gender-based violence is any sexual or physical act attempting to obtain a sexual act, unwanted comments or advances, any action otherwise directed against a person's sexuality by coercion by any person, regardless of their relationship to the victim. It also includes any gender-motivated act. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Intimate Partner Violence Awareness. There are many different types of behavior, physical violence, sexual violence, stalking, psychological aggression. People are hurting, and people need to be heard. They need to have their stories listened to, we need the opportunity to see ourselves as whole instead of broken. In many religious communities, there has been denial and silencing, blaming and judging, minimizing and sanitizing. Some of us come from communities where faith leaders used our sacred texts as weapons. I looked at the lectionary today because you know I love the Bible and try to use it whenever I can. 
And I looked at her and said, this is trash. <laughs> I can't preach about this. And I had to take a minute and realize that yes, yes I did. This was the story of woman being created from Adam's rib. Did anyone fact check that with a woman? <laughs> There's a lot of debate. In divinity school, maybe some of you with more language knowledge than I can confirm, debate about what exact body part is meant by this word rib. But had they asked a woman, I think that they <laughs> would have said, that doesn't quite sound right. Women have been characterized as Eve, the temptress who came from Adam's rib, a stupid woman tricked by a snake who led the man astray and caused the downfall of all humanity. This foundational image of women has become part of our collective consciousness in many different religions. And the other lectionary was about how much God hates divorce. <laughs> what are you trying to do to me today? <laughs> As I spoke to women this week about what do we need to hear? What do we need to hear from our churches? What do we need to hear from our leaders? I heard stories of boys and girls, men and women who grew up in households where there was violence, who grew up hearing their mothers, watching their mothers or fathers go and ask for advice from the religious leaders and being told that they needed to do whatever they could to save their marriage because divorce is a sin without adding that abuse is a sin, that abuse is what breaks the sacrament and the covenant of marriage. These images, we don't hold them up at the same value, the same source of truth. For us, they're one of six sources of truth, right? But they still inform this world that we live in. So many people have grown up with these images. So many people see themselves only in the mirror, but not reflected in our government, not reflected in pulpits, not reflected in our community organizations. To survivors, we say, I'm so sorry. Though biblical, flex, biblical texts reflect the opinions of certain groups of people trying to maintain social control, however we define God or the divine or something larger than ourselves, we know that that is not true of God's opinion. Patriarchy was the backdrop for the Bible, but it's not the language of the Bible. We've all been bystanders, consuming objectifying media, not believing women, not interrupting violent speech, not listening to stories, not electing women to positions of power. We need to encourage one another not to internalize this to share our stories, and to look between the lines for the images and the role models that we need, to bring ourselves and our stories into community, to make them part of the web, this interdependent web that is our expression of our faith, of our connection to something bigger than us, the children and some of the adults here made today. And anyone, you can walk around while I'm talking, 
If you want to come up and grab another strip and weave it through, you're welcome. I also did put out oil there because I wanted to remind us that when you come into the community and you weave into this loom of beloved space, beloved church, you are a blessing. You receive a blessing and you give a blessing. Sometimes we might think that we're a burden, that our stories are too painful to share, too painful to think about, but this is where we lay our burdens down. For those sitting in the pews who may worry and wonder, have I done something to harm someone? I remind us that who we were yesterday does not define who we are today and who we become tomorrow. We are universalists. We believe in salvation in this lifetime. There is always the chance to repair. Some of us have been abused. Some of us may have been an abuser. Some of us have sought forgiveness. Some of us have worked very hard on healing. And we speak out to make room for that. And when we say, I believe you, then we line up our actions with our beliefs. We take in the tattered threads and we bind them together with our own and we make something beautiful. I used to think that this was something that only happened in religious communities where people believe, for instance, in that God hates, God hates divorce no matter what, that women came from the rib of a man, but there are entire specialties of Unitarian Universalist ministers who are called after-pastors, who travel to different churches to help them heal after misconduct happens there. Abusers are smart, charming, talented, wonderful public speakers. They're the ones we know, not the strangers, even here even in this place of reason and love and beloved community. Among us, there may be people who are looking to change their hearts. We pray together that as witnesses, as bystanders, as survivors, that we can step up and push through the fear, that we don't remain silent. We give prayers for hope and healing and responsibility we offer our stories as a calling for us to notice one another, to notice changes in our behavior, notice who might not be showing up anymore and who we may need to reach out to. Sometimes people are not believed, and we say again over and over again, we believe you that we want our children to be conditioned to be strong and courageous, decisive and proactive. We need more of you to sign up to be OWL teachers and keep working our beloved religious education teachers who teach that there is a full range of expression for gender. There's a full range of expression for sexuality. We know that our safety is not a women's issue. We work to exercise our privilege to promote and elevate, to lift and center marginalized voices. We follow people 
who have experienced what we want to learn about. We say, I don't know is a valid answer. And we have conversations like Reverend Nathan is having on the 21st to gather together and say, what is there to be done? Here's what I've learned. Here's how I've grown. We remain teachable and we share it together. We pray by moving our hands and our feet because community is our principle of interdependence. It's how we respond to individualism and violence and oppression, where we rise above the myth of individualism and independence. We respect the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part because we know that our lives and our hearts are bound up together like the fabric on the loom. This is the spirit of our lives the ground of our being. We dedicate our shared community life to justice and healing and hope together. And so it is. <laughs>